0: Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. and As you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. Your reading this morning comes from Philippians 1.25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Amen, 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 sweet people. Hey, is your God good? I promise I would never, I would never stop you if you just were just caught up and you just wanted to do it. I would never get in your way. Cause I'm here for that always. You know I'm always here for. Always oh, he's here for some secondary, post-secondary, third-secondary worship. Our God is good. Um, it's good to be with you. Um, I have been moving around a little bit um, this summer, but uh, yeah, it's just good to be back. I feel real good, you know, the lights, the smell of hardwood and worship. And how many of y'all love your worship leaders? Like, my, I really, uh, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate me some, uh, some Hillsong, and I appreciate me some Maverick City, but I, I take Ock and Trey and Cara any day, you know what I mean? That's the, my people. Y'all think I'm actually playing, but man, that, it's just good, you know, when you actually know the people and they know you and you, yes, yes, Jesus, yes, amen, so anyway, without further ado, before I get ready to get into my sermon, I am going to welcome up um, our newest candidates for covenant membership here at the Ave. So if y'all would come on up real quick, and uh, I'm going to ask the, one of those handsome elders. Man, y'all missed it. This morning we had our congregational meeting, and uh, let me tell you something, man. Shawnee Haynes was in there killing it, doing his thing fizzle. You know what I'm saying? He even gave us the introductory joke. Pop, pop, bang. And then he Lee came and finished it up. We will, uh, if, if you're a Covenant member and you weren't able to make it, uh, we will have some concise notes for you um, so that um, you won't be left out in the dark. Um, so that you'll know kind of what's going on. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Sean's closer. So, Sean, would you, would you come on up and prepare yourself to pray after I finish the vows? Um, we take covenant membership uh, at the AV seriously. And um, it's funny, I'm getting ready to start um, a, a series on our core values. And so now you get to hear those and be like, oh, he's talking to me. That's exactly right. Um, and so we take um, membership at the app seriously. If you're visiting with us out of time, out of town, we just pray that you would find a church. Uh, we believe that the pattern in scripture is that you live out your faith locally, geographically with people who share your convictions and you allow them to love on you and you challenge them and they challenge you when um, we serve Christ together. And so uh, we pray that God would uh, help you to find a place to serve and live out your faith in a uh, short order. So with that being said, um, I have five questions that I would like to ask you sweet people Um, I don't know what's feeding back but we got it I think so Um, and if you would just affirm those by just simply saying I do um, that would be great candidates do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God and without hope for your salvation except in his sovereign mercy if so say I do and do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend upon him alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospels? Do you now promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? And do you promise to serve Christ in his church, supporting the mission, vision, and core values of this church and participating with this congregation in its service to God and its ministry to others to the best of your ability? submit yourself to the spiritual oversight of the avenue community church and do you promise to promote the unity purity and peace of the church All right. John, pray? dear god we thank you this morning uh, for these new members who are joining our body and we thank you god for the image of family that you give in your word and we pray thank you that these new members are here with us and we pray that they would uh, with us and us with them. Uh, we thank you, God, for the role that each of these new members has in this church that you intend and have ordained for them, Lord. Um, and just help them to know, uh, speak to your spirit to them, Lord, uh, how important they are. And, uh, Lord, let them receive uh, what you have for them and the role they'll play. Um, God, uh, we thank you, ceremony this morning, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you, brother. Uh, So, uh, getting ready uh, to do five weeks on our core values, and so before we get started, I'm going to ask Jess to put up the core values. We'll read them first together and, um, and then we'll read the one we're focused on today uh, for the last time. So this is the five W's, worship, witness, work, wed, and walk. So let's read worship first. Glorify the God of the Bible faithfully, passionately, and reverently. Witness, testify to the person and work of Christ. Work, work to equip the saints, serve the city, and cultivate beauty wed unite divided communities walk live with one another in truth and love and today i've chosen to kind of dovetail that amazing message we heard last week um, with work and so let's read work one more time work work to equip the saints serve the city and cultivate beauty those are our five core values, and work is the core value that we'll focus on today. Um, and specifically, work has three different components to it. Um, when we talk about labor, we know that our salvation um, is not earned. We, 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 this is not that kind of thing. We're not working to earn God's approval. Um, but we're working as an expression, an outworking of the new life that he's put in us. And the three ways that we want to intentionally work uh, is to equip the saints, Um, to serve our city. We want our our city to feel us and to miss us and to know that we're there, Um, to to delight that we hope that the residents of 38122 and 117120 are happy that the Avenue Community Church exists and they pray for it to continue to go on. I thought it was a really beautiful thing when we purchased our building, that even the building itself meant so much to the community that community members, believers and non-believers, actually signed petition to keep it. I pray that they feel that way about the actual church. That even the secular people would be like, man, we don't even believe in Jesus, but we want those people to stay. You hope you pray that too. So we want to equip the saints. We want to serve the city and cultivate beauty. We want to be an agent um, that creates Uh, pride and beauty in this community, that everybody feels uh, excited and proud to be a part of this neighborhood that the avenue touched. But today, we're going to simply focus on one aspect of the work core value, and that is to equip the saints. Um, And I chose the one verse. It's one of my favorite verses um, in the Bible, especially as it pertains to Growth, as it pertains to spiritual life and vitality. I'll read it one more time. Paul just says this, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. My favorite phrase uh, is, and and maybe you've heard me preach that um, from time to time here, um, for your progress and joy in the faith. It just sticks out to me. Let me tell you a little bit about Philippians, right? Um, Where's Philippians in the Old Testament and New Testament? No, it's nice and old, oh, y'all playing around. It is, it's in the New Testament, right? And who wrote it? Jesus wrote it, right? It's kind of a trick question, maybe, yeah, I'll give you that. But uh, this is Paul's letter, and it's one of four letters that we call prison epistles, right? Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon. These are letters that Paul has written now to these churches and to one person. Um, and uh, he has written it as he was under house arrest. And what Paul wants to do is he wants to encourage uh, the Philippians to really live out their lives as citizens of this new heavenly kingdom. It's, he's trying to help them understand. This is the indicative, right? The gospel has happened. What does this mean for you? And so what he's trying to get across to them is that you're no longer Romans primarily. You're no longer Philippians. You're no longer Jew, Greek, barbarian, slave or free. Now you have a new idea you have a citizenship transfer. Now you are citizens of this new heavenly kingdom and he's encouraging them to continue to grow in their commitment to their service to God and to one another." And he uses, obviously, in that beautiful kenotic hymn, that emptying of oneself in Philippians 2, the best way to live out our faith is to use our Lord Jesus as the model for that, who, who being the very form of God emptied himself. So, you know, the only, one of the key principles, uh, the art of losing myself, what's that? Come on, that's Hill song. What song is that? Oh, come on. Somebody, I need the Hillsong vibes. Get, get in there. Come on. That was before the video came out. So you, you okay with it. You know what I'm saying? you okay. You're okay. Come on. Come on now. God still uses broken vessels. That's right. That's right. Shundo. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, can we just, I love saying this, but Christianity 101, if you're not in the business of losing yourself, you can't be his disciple. Okay, let's just start right there because that's what our master did. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. So if you ain't willing to do what your daddy did, then you ain't willing to be his disciple. Christianity does not start with you, it starts with him. And our humble posture before him, what do you want for me to do? And so now we follow our Lord and we join him in emptying ourselves and trying to accomplish his will. And so, Paul encourages uh, these Philippians in chapter 1, um, and he's, he really, he loves, he starts, he just thanks God for their partnership. Everybody say partnership. Uh, my, one of my favorite sermons at downtown church, my mentor came and preached it, and uh, he talked about the partnership in the gospel. Uh, And he encourages them as he he thanks God for their partnership in the gospel. He's sitting under house arrest, and he's encouraging them, hey, don't worry about it. I know I'm locked up. (laughs) I just want to make sure you're still with me. I just want to make sure you're still with me. But he's encouraging them, like, listen, don't worry. Even though I'm telling you that the most amazing thing in the world has happened to us, that our lives have been ransomed from the kingdom of darkness, transferred in the kingdom of light, even though I'm locked up, don't worry. It's still serving for the advancement of this great gospel. Don't worry. Don't trip. God is using even my chains. I know I'm preaching to somebody. Just grab that if you want that. But so he's encouraging them to join in this life of emptying yourself and knowing that God is working all these things for his kingdom advancement. And so this message will be about discipleship. It will be about growth and the avenues philosophy on how we equip the saints, why it's important to us. And so as we think about that, um, I would like to just submit to you um, in the most concise version that I have our philosophy on discipleship now I was recently I had I was asked to do a little video for the EPC uh, And they were like, hey, man. Oh, we know y'all's church is growing. What's y'all's philosophy on discipleship? And I was like oh, oh. And Only thing I could say was this Not that we want to remain here, but this is what I've noticed in five years the discipleship at the Avenue It's more organic than it is programmed, it's more caught than it is taught, and there's more variety in how discipleship happens than uniformity. Some of those things I want to maintain, some of those things I want to improve on. I'll say it for you. This is what, when I look at the last five years and how discipleship functions at the avenue, I would just say this, that it is more organic than it is programmed, it's more caught than it is taught, and there's more variety then there is uniformity. Some of those things I want to maintain. Some of those things I want to improve on. But here is the spirit of discipleship at avenue. I call it TAC-D. Everybody say TAC-D. All right. That is not things you put on your toes when you get fungus. But this is the avenue's principle of discipleship. It's that we would commit to grow together for the sake of kingdom advancement. When we start talking about discipleship, I I got one of my buddies in here who wrote a really cool essay that I'm reading through. And he talked, it's about parenting. And he talks about, you know, that he is kind of averse to people who kind of strong on different methodology on him. Just about like, hey man, you got to do it this way, this way, this way. And he argues that, hey, maybe we ought to just put more principles before people and let them work out the method rather than strong on them with the method and being light on the principle. So here's the principle. I am gonna always maintain, I think I have been scarred by this in the past. When I've come into places and maybe cities with strong discipleship cultures, and some of y'all know this, that basically, hey, when you go there, are you discipling anyone? And you're like, and they're like, well, if you ain't doing it like this, then no. Let me just tell you, at the AB, I'm going to always be a little light on that. I'm going to always be a little light on that. I'm always going to be hard on the principle. Are you committed to growing together for the sake of kingdom advancement? If we can acknowledge that, I can guarantee you this that we're going to make some disciples. But if we're just committed to a methodology, either you will have a small minority of the people doing the methodology and the rest of the people crushed because they never do it that way. And they don't participate. And we make minimal disciples. But if all of us are light on the methodology and committed to the principle, we're going to make some disciples in here. Are you committed to grow? And are you committed to doing it together? And are you committed to doing it with us for the sake of this great kingdom and the glorious gospel? Then we are gonna do some things here, all right? So let's talk about it. What's committed to grow mean? I think, first of all, um, as we think about spiritual growth, um, I just wanna set before you, I heard it at the um, General Assembly this week, that we all must acknowledge that growth is a journey. It's a journey for us that we never quite arrive at the finish line. It's something we're going to be doing until we get to heaven. So we never quite get there, but to not embark on the journey is to not be a Christian. We will never get there wherever there is. But if you ain't walking, you ain't on the journey. And we got questions to ask. Amen, lights and walls. It's hard, but it's true. Let me just pause. If you who would affirm Christianity can coherently say that you don't need to grow, then you need to come talk to me or some other spiritual leader because we're kind of missing some things. If you can clearly say you have no interest or a need for growth, then we're starting from the wrong place. Amen. Amen. I know that was for the other church, it wasn't for y'all. In Philippians, one commentator says, Paul explains what spiritual progress will look like. Christian maturity does not come through special, mystical insights available only to a few, but rather through patient practice of the familiar virtues of love and service to others. One of the things that's important, we know we're saved by grace alone, but that's not how we grow. You're saved by grace alone, but you don't grow in Jesus by grace alone. What happens is we are saved by grace, but we grow as God blesses our faith-filled obedience. As we continue to take steps that show that we believe in that grace, we trust in what has happened for us on Calvary, God then blesses those obedient steps. And I wanna invite you on that journey. Growth is not meritocracy, though. We don't grow. We're not trying to grow to earn, though um, we do need to. One of the things I'm going to preach in the next year is I want to preach a good theology on rewards. I think when I preached um, uh, Rebecca and Mackenzie's wedding, I preached from Galatians 6, and God tells me, he says, hey, you need to do good to everyone. And you know what he says? He says, because what you do, so you will reap. There's a benefit for following me. And guess what just like any good MTR teach for America Memphis Public, good city schools or or Whatever school you teach at around here You don't motivate your children to be obedient just by telling them punishing them for what they gonna do bad You tell them hey little Johnny I'm gonna give you 15 extra minutes at recess if you go ahead and sit in your seat, buddy (laughs) Come on man So if you are serving Jesus, as someone who professes to be a grace-centered person, who doesn't understand that your good, good father got some good, good things waiting on those who trust him, you crazy, you crazy. Cause ain't now one of us in here, when our kids are doing the right thing and they rocking and rolling and they doing the things, we bless them, that's what we do. And if you don't think your God is waiting, willing to bless you for your obedience and your trust in Him, come on, man. Oh yes, you got good daddy, he gonna do some things now. Come on now. But as we grow, just wanna make sure our growth was not to earn our position, but we wanna grow. Paul always, and even the uh, New Testament writers are always exhorting the New Testament churches towards growth. He's always saying, hey man, there's somewhere to go. There's somewhere to get to, right? Hebrews 5 and 12 just says this, by this time you ought to be teachers. Everybody say ought to be. But now you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 1 Peter 2 and 2, like newborn infants, long for spiritual milk. Everybody say long for it. That it that by it you may grow up, everybody say "Grow grow up, into salvation. Are you committed to the idea of growth? Yes, I know you came to Jesus because you wanted a safe shelter and a refuge from the world. And amen to that. How many of y'all know he is a strong tribe and the righteous run to it and they are saved? That is true. That those who abide under the shelter of his wings do find safety. But if you are only coming for the safety and the shelter, then you don't understand it yet. You don't understand the full thing yet because in Christ... There must be growth. We heard that last week. I don't need to kill it again. But when we start talking about growth or bearing fruit, like Damon preached about last week, the primary diet or the necessity for Christian growth is what do you think it is? It's the Word of God. And you can think of it a couple different ways. You know, we just talked about 1 Peter 2 and 2 about being new spiritual babies and we need to long for this new milk that we could grow up in salvation. And so we could think of it as us being new spiritual beings. When we came to Christ Jesus, He made us a new spiritual being which meant that we need a new kind of diet to kind of grow up into our full potential. Or you could think about it in the other way, in Mark 4, just about, hey, the Word of God is actually the seed and our hearts are the soil. Either way, we have to encounter God's self-revelation to grow up in Him. If you are coming to the Scriptures and you think that all you are gaining from the scripture, Scriptures are knowledge, then once again, uh, we're, we're being mistaken. If we want to get close to God, there's nobody who ever got close to the God of the Bible without encountering the God of the Bible. But me and Douglas were talking about a month ago, and he was reading a book. It's called Eat This Scroll. Another book? Eat this book, Revelations? Some concept. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was another handsome guy I was talking to. (laughs) But there's a difference in concepts, right? You can read this thing or you can ingest this thing. How many of you are firmly convinced that I need the Word of God? Like it's not even like, you know, Gina's like, why you work out so much? Because she knows I don't have to work out. I do it, there's a part that I just do it because I want to. And I can convince myself that I need to, but I just do it because I want to, actually. I like all the other things that come with working out, whatever. There's mind regulation, body, whatever the things. Yes, I know you have been over the head with the Bible and what, how much you should know or should know and I'm sorry that you were abused in that way and those people made you feel like you were a second class Christian because you didn't have all the methodology, but at the heart they're still right the principle's still right you need the word of God just show of hands, anybody know I need it it's not even, it's not even about option, I just need it, I can't function without it So what are we trying to grow you into? Well, I was, once again, I was at General Assembly. Mike Davis said this in regards to EPC leaders. He says that our denomination's goal is to resource leaders to become resilient and reproducing effective biblical leaders. I love that, I was like, cool. And I want, one of the things I want for you as we try to grow you into more of a mature disciple, all of us together, is to become more resilient, right? The world ain't gonna get any easier, but I hope our faith makes us a little more flint, toughens our skin up, makes us more resilient. How many of y'all wanna be more resilient this year? But here, let me throw on the stage for you. When we start thinking about my aim, the session's aim, what we are trying to grow you into, this is what I want you to see. Um, first of all, it's 10 things. And when we start talking about being a disciple, it's the, yeah, when we start talking about being a disciple, write this down first. What is a disciple? A disciple is an obedient follower of Jesus. A disciple is not a congregant. A disciple is not someone who goes to worship. A disciple is not someone who professes Christianity. How do I know I'm a disciple? I am an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. My life is ordered by His Word. That's how I know, right? That's the concept of discipleship. I know we get caught up in the methodology, oh yeah, I have people over for pizza. That doesn't mean you're making disciples. A disciple is someone who is committed to obediently following their master, and our master is Jesus. Here's what I pray for you. Here's what I'm trying to push you towards. Number one, that at the end, you'll be a disciple who loves Jesus. And I want to be invested in teaching that when we worship. Uh, because w- the love of Jesus is the basis for all we do. I was teaching that 3 lr the other week. And they were like, man, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I thought I could give them a whole lot of systematic, soteriological definitions. But at the end of the day, I took them to John 4. And John 4 is at the conclusion of that woman's encounter with Jesus. She just came away saying, Jesus is better. He's just better. I love him. Hey, y'all, come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. That is number one discipleship. Do you think Jesus is better? Are you in love with Jesus? Because if you don't love Jesus, then everything else will be a burden. It won't make sense. Why would you be sexually attracted to the same sex and choose to put those down for something unless you thought that was better? That's what we're talking about. White people been abusing y'all with theology and and economics for 400 of years. Why would you choose to worship? with? Because I believe in something better. There's something more beautiful at the core of me. And I'm willing to put down the other things, subordinate them for my main thing. Why would you choose to stay in a dysfunctional, unhappy marriage? Because I believe in something bigger and better. If you cannot tap into your love for Jesus as the impetus and catalyst for your behavior, you are a legalist. So I want to disciple you in how to access that love for God so that you don't do it begrudgingly. Here they go asking me for more money. Keep your money. We don't need your money. Keep it. Man, I love Jesus. I love his kingdom. And if you're telling me that building can help more people get to know him, take more of it. What you do has got to be motivated by your absolute love for your good, good father who has turned your world upside down. And I want to teach you how to know it and access it. I want to teach you how to express it. How many times in the past year in your conversations have people just paused and just said, man, before we even get started, girl, can I just tell you how good God's been? I just want to tell y'all how much I love them. Can we start doing that more at the Avenue? Can we stop saving our expressions of gratitude and love for 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings? Can we just pause? I just, Man, I was going through literally the, one of the most difficult 72 hours i would had in a couple days. And me, my wife, and my son, we all in the same room praying together, and we're getting ready to pray about something hard, but I get caught up in the intro. God, I just want to thank you for how faithful you've been to us. And I couldn't even really get to the petition, so I'm so caught up on the gratitude. But if you don't practice gratitude, if you don't find value in it, you'll never grow in it. I want you to grow in it, in your love for Jesus and your expression of it. I want you to grow. At the end of the day, if we send you off to another church, I want you to be a disciple who cherishes the disciplines. Like, I believe in prayer. Like, I believe in the Word. Like, I believe in worship. I believe in meditation. You know, I know that's getting old because that's, once again, in the legalist category. But I want to know if there's some people who still believe. I believe in the Word. I believe in prayer. I believe in worship. I want you to continue to grow into somebody who lives sacrificially who increasingly gives more and more of their life away to the Lord Jesus. How many of y'all want to go to heaven having the Lord having more square footage in your heart? More, I want to go, I want to go to him having Mary. Huh, more, 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 not less, less, less. I want to disciple you into someone who values community. I hope you grow in someone who desires to be a part of the body of Christ, to be with them and to preserve that connection and unity. We want to disciple you into being someone who can rightly divide the word of truth, memorizing scripture so you actually know it. It's actually hidden in your heart. You know theology. We've done a good job of teaching you sound doctrine. We also hopefully have done a good job of teaching you the meta-narrative of scripture, where it starts, where where it is, where we're going. We hope that you grow in that. I want you to be a disciple who boasts in the gospel. Like, boasts in it. Like Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain boast in it. They- I want you to be a cocky Christian. I ain't laughing. I ain't never seen… I, I've been a competitor about as long as I live. I done played, I done played about 6,000 spade games. I have given up spades in my, in my older years a little bit. But listen, let me tell you something. Let me and my partner get that hand, and it's all black. <laughs> Come on, right? Listen, listen. I owe it to you not to just beat you, but narrate it to you as I beat you. Come on. Uh-uh. Oh, what you got there, big dog? Huh? You got a little... So, ba-ya! <laughs> yeah! Tell me like... Oh, hold on. Let me hit you with the king of space. Yeah! Oh, hold on. It's a royal family. Let me hit you with the queen of space. I'm going to talk to you as I do it to you, babe. Come on, now. Why are you so mousy if your king owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Come on, man. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. What do you actually believe, people of God? That's worldliness to me. Uh, Maybe our God don't have us. Maybe it wasn't finished. But I'd be more boastful. I want to disciple you into the divine communication network. I want the Avenue Church to be people who you could hear us say, man, I was in prayer. I heard from the Lord. I want to disciple you into a culture where people come up to us and say, hey man, I was in my time of prayer. The Lord gave me a word for you, sister. I want us to be people who believe in the Spirit and we are always laying hands on people because we just believe God does things that we don't understand. And we want to disciple you into that. We want you to be missionally engaged. We want you to live with purpose and urgency. You got to always be comparing, like, how does the secular man order his affairs, and how do you order your affairs? They move for for opportunity, bigger houses, whatever. It should be more frequent. Why do we move the way that we move? Why do we accept this job? Why do we have this many children? Why do we do it? Oh, for the advancement of the kingdom, duh. Like, that's how we move. I want to disciple us in that way. Disciple us to be spirit-filled, to truly believe that we need the Spirit's power and that we have the Spirit's power. And lastly, I want to disciple us into being disciple-makers. That was the Great Commission, but that in our homes, in our lives, on our jobs, at our university, by the way that we live, we invite and we help foster and create people who are also obedient followers of Jesus. That's what I want us to be committed to. I want us to do it together. You have to look no further than the chapter one of Philippians and to see the cooperative nature of kingdom advancement. Paul in Philippians 1-3 is thanking God. He says, I remember you in all my prayers with joy, and I'm remembering you with joy because of our partnership in the gospel, right? He goes on to say in verse 7, uh, he talks about the Philippians being the people who share in God's grace with Paul. This is important. Your growth can and it should be personal. But when we start thinking about spiritual growth, we've got to see that through the lens of kingdom advancement, which is always cooperative. It's always cooperative. We can never see our spiritual growth as something that we do in isolation. Growth is a concept that has to happen in community together. And we gotta gotta make sure we understand that because secular growth always starts kind of with turning inside first, right? And it's usually isolating. I just want to focus on myself this year. I want to focus on my mental health. It's always going in, right? And one thing you also know about secular growth is that sometimes in, in a secular mindset, you would be satisfied with your personal gains at the expense of others or without other people. I don't care. Oh, I'm so sorry about whatever you got going on, but Y'all, don't I look good? I've lost 50 pounds. Like, secular growth is really inward and it's personal. And it doesn't matter whether you're growing. It don't matter whether you get in the bag. I'm getting the bag. Man, I hope you do what I do. God bless you, brother. Kingdom advancement is always cooperative. And I told you, this is the part that I want to give us some variety on that we don't have to be hard on how we do it together, but we need to make sure we are doing it together. Let me give you three categories, just how to think about spiritual growth and discipleship in community. I call them the three ships. First, leadership. There will be times where you will be in the position where you need to be pouring down And I don't want to hear no business about what you don't know or don't know. You take whatever you do know, and you just pour it down in the next vessel. Whether you do it for a month, whether you do it for a year, whether you do it for decades. I don't—that is not the point. Just take what you have and be a good steward of what the Lord has given you, knowledge, time, resources, and just pour it down into the next person for however long he wants you to do it. Can we just agree on that? And can we just submit that right now in my life, God may be calling me to lead someone else into more maturity in faith? Maybe you need to write that down. Could you just be open to the possibility that right now, if you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, God could be calling me to a position of leadership to take what I have and just pour it down into someone who knows a little less? Everybody in this room who's a professed believer. That's leadership. We see that. Acts 8, the Ethiopian unit. He's reading the scroll. My man said, What you reading? Can you teach me? Can we just be open to that? How about mentorship? We see that Paul and Timothy. One of my favorite scriptures, 1 Timothy 4. I mean, just read the whole Pauline corpus in his letters to Timothy. It's just so beautiful about the mentorship. Maybe you are the mentee. Could it be that, God, you have somebody in my life who knows a little bit more than me, who has applied your word in more, uh, uh, more, more variety of situations that is able to help me apply your scriptures? God, could you show me who that is? Or those people are. They know a little bit more. So sometimes you're the leader, sometimes you're the mentee. That's the Paul Timothy. And companionship, Acts two 42. Y'all, two chapters into the newly formed church, we do not have a record of a mentor-mentee relationship. We don't have people who are on record, who go to the local papyri shop with tea, eating figs, whatever they eat, dates and nuts, and they sit together with the scrolls, and they personally just talk to each other about Jesus. We don't have no record of that. But you know what we do have? We got everybody who believes together, breaking the bed, praying together, sharing truths with one another. I don't want to hear no more jazz about I'm not being disciple. Because as long as we got each other, we can grow. And it might not be the season for one-on-one mentorship. And if that is what you are waiting on, if that is your excuse for why you're being lazy and unintentional about your faith, uh, I'm rebuking you, clearly rebuking you right now. That ain't in the Scripture. That is not in the Scripture that... The only way you can grow is by having one person invest a certain amount of time in you for a certain length of time. That ain't in the Word. That is a picture of discipleship. But I'm trying to present to you a variety so that no matter what the season is, we can continue to grow. Amen, lights and walls. I know it's wrong. So, the idea that we need to commit to this growth bearing fruit so that the kingdom can advance Tony Evans says three things about fruit I've heard him preach it several times but he says three things about fruit that we need to know that a fruit always bears the nature and the character of the tree that it comes from so bananas don't come off apple trees that's not how it works fruit is always visible So you can't say, oh, I got fruit. It's just what Damon preached to us last week. All you got is leaves. You do not have fruit on you. So here's the thing. Don't y'all love when your favorite NFL player or your favorite singer accepts the award? And it's like, man, I just want to thank God for my humility. It's like, oh, no, you can't pronounce the virtues on yourself. (laughs) You can't do that. That's not how it works. I'm a really humble guy. You know, usually when people are in trouble, like, I don't give anybody any problems. It's like, oh, I'm not sure you can say that. We got to ask the other people around you. Yeah. You can't pronounce fruit on yourself. It's always visible. You can't fake people. If you, throw a foot, uh, if you put a nine iron in my hand and I start doing this with it, when I show you who I am, you need to believe me. Okay, if I take that nine iron and I start doing this, you need to, oh, that brother don't know how to golf. Some of y'all are like, what is a nine iron? Is he talking about a Glock? You know? All <laughs> right. Some, some of y'all was real confused right there. Fruit is always visible, and it's unmistakable. I think the, the one that is important for us, especially as it relates to committing to grow together, is that he, Tony says, fruit is always beneficial to others. Other people are supposed to benefit from your growth in Jesus. (laughs) That's what it's for. (laughs) As he grows you, other people are supposed to pluck off that tree and be blessed by it and say, praise God. He says the only fruit that benefits itself is rotten fruit. The only fruit that benefits or eats itself is rotten fruit. We don't need no rotten fruit. We need you to commit to grow, not so that you could feel better about your Christianity, but do you realize there are people in your row who are utterly dependent on your growth in Jesus? They need you. And we wanna do all of it for the sake of kingdom advancement. When I went to GA and you're surrounded in that room, uh, y'all, y'all missed it. First of all, everybody loves um, Aaron and Katie, and uh, we just wanna keep them in prayer. They keep raising their support. But on Tuesday night when Gina and I got there, um, we commissioned almost uh, maybe a half dozen missionaries. Sierra was one of them. And, uh, you know, it was that moment, the Lord just needed to refresh my heart and sober me up, sitting in a room with 4,000 people hands pointed one way, our hands lay, placed on all these missionaries that we're about to send out, that we are a part of something that is so much bigger. Yeah. And I know, you know, when, when we're just doing our routine thing that sometimes it gets say, man, this thing's monotonous and what's the purpose? But, man, we got to be reminded that we are a part of a big thing. We are a part of a big thing. Do you remind yourself of that? I think you need to, because God's kingdom is advancing. God is doing something. Everybody say, God is doing something. And he's not just doing something for you, but he's doing something through you. That was his plan A for how he was gonna work out his mission in the world. Who i am gonna use? These imperfect people and their descendants. I'm gonna use them. When we talk about kingdom advancement, Kingdom Advancement is both the expansion of the dominion of Christ through the proclamation and the building up of his church to care for itself and accomplish that expansion. So the church is both sending out we're sending out our missionaries. We're sending them out locally. We're sending them out internationally. We're sending people out so, so, so the gospel can go forward. But we're also, uh, we've got a division of labor who is concentrated on Ephesians 4, building up this body into maturity so that we can continue to formulate people who represent our Lord better. This is not like, hey man, you know what? This year, I wanna get healthier. This is not like, hey, let's just start walking. Because I think walking will be, it'll just be good for me, it'll be good for my, my peace of mind, it, it'll be good for my physical health, and let, let's just start, let's, you know, let's just start walking. God's kingdom adv- advancing is our primary duty Those who kind of study military history know that there's this thing called conscripts, where you get drafted. And I don't care what nation you're under, the greatest nation or the worst nation. Every country, every nation has always struggled with drafts because every nation, when it's time to go to war, always got people who want to go and people who don't. It's like, man, uh uh-uh. And these people dodging, you know, you got Russia over there. They had to outsource they fighting because they struggling with, man, that ain't my war. They can't find the people to fight, so they have to hire mercenaries. Still happens, right? In Christianity, I love the fact that I was discipled into, I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That was, that was, we, that was understood that I am to do something, that I am a part of something big and great. Do you still remember that avenue? So here it is. Let's land this plane. Why is this hard for us to do? Why is it difficult for us to commit to growing together for the sake of kingdom advancement. I think commitment is hard. How many of y'all know commitment is hard? How many married people know commitment is hard? How many parents know commitment is hard? How many children know commitment is hard? It's hard, man. It's just hard. Everybody wants to do things as long as they feel good. And how many of y'all know that being made into a disciple of Christ don't always feel good? But that does not give you license to stop. And I would tell you, being pruned probably feels more painful than it does feel good. But how many of y'all know, I know you experienced some of the worst weeks of your life. I know some of y'all have been in the worst season of your life. But how many of y'all know that God is producing something in you? How many of y'all believe that? That whatever has happened to me and my family and when I lost my grandma and when I miscarried this baby, that, that wasn't to crush me, that God was using that thing to do something in me, that my pain has purpose, and there's something beautiful emerging from me. Commitment is hard. Growth is hard. The concept of growth is hard because you have to acknowledge that you're not where you kind of need or want to be. And nobody likes doing that. Nobody likes going to the mirror and seeing the love handles and whatever. Nobody likes doing that. Nobody likes taking the test and just still running back. God, I don't know that yet. It seems like torture, doesn't it? Growth is hard because we'd rather spend more time justifying where we are than putting our head down and working towards where we need to be. I want to free y'all of some of that. Because Christianity is the perfect place that both acknowledges, yes, you are not where you need to be, but that does not, that is not a value statement on who you are. See, it's the truth. It's sobriety. Our society says, don't worry about it. You are fine just as you are. But everyone in this room knows that ain't true. It ain't true. I'm a bad person and I know it. And you know what? I know that other people don't think I'm swell. So it acknowledges like, man, maybe, maybe there's work to be done. But Christi also, Christianity also pronounces on you that though there is work to be done, you are still as valuable as you'll ever be. That's what's so freeing about Christianity because you can acknowledge the truth about yourself and you can still run hard forward and fast. We got to do it together. Why is doing it together hard? Because we prefer isolation. I don't want to be around those people. Ooh, ooh, if I had a dollar for the amount of times I didn't have pastoral counseling sessions where all the people that are covenant members have disavowed. Oh, that's all right, Pastor Tim. I'm just going to keep coming to the church, and I ain't gonna, I'm going to cut them out. Y'all. I think the enemy wants us to continue to shrink our circles in our life. I think he wants us to think that we have less people for us and go to, get, go to the grave literally, it's just me and my husband and Jesus. That is a poor Christian testimony. Don't buy the lie. And I know it's hard to work with imperfect people but don't buy the lie. It is not just you and Jesus. There are people in this room who love you, and we do a poor job expressing it sometimes, but we do love you, and we want to work with and keep working towards how we make it better. Don't give up. Why is kingdom advancement hard? Because we want our will to be done. We don't care about God's kingdom. We want to get that bag. We want to get that degree. We want to get the five-bedroom the, the five house with the white picket fence. You know what I'm saying? We want our things. We don't necessarily want what God's thing is. That's what makes it hard. But there's grace. One commentator says that spiritual progress involves effort. we got to bring effort. We're saved by grace alone, but spiritual progress is not by grace alone. It involves effort. But Philippians in the second chapter does a great job of walking through the tightrope and the tensions. So they are encouraged to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But this is how they do it, Philippians 2.13. By knowing that it's God who works in them both the will and to work for his good pleasure. So if you have anything about you that says, man, I want to try harder, don't immediately just throw that, oh, I'm trying to earn my salvation. That's God creating some zeal in you. Go. Do something. And thank God. God, I thank you that you gave me the grace to want to read your word. Man, I've heard some strange things as people have woken up. Pastor Tim, you know what? I woke up and I thought about reading a couple chapters, but then I was like, oh, you know what? I don't have to do that because I'm free. That is a complete misuse of the doctrine of justification. That is not what he gave you justification for. He didn't justify you so you could be less excited about serving him. He gave you justification so that you wouldn't be crushed when you blow it. And then when you realize that you've been given grace that you don't deserve, you wake up with more zeal to want to do more. That's what justification is for. Man, you telling me I don't have to die for missing my devotion for a whole week? Nope. Man, I'm going to go and do start over next week. Yes! That's what a justified sinner does. So, I love it. You got your degree. Praise God, sister. It it does not directly impact our kingdom advancement. Brother, you lost them 60 pounds. You got you a six-pack. Man, you look great, bro. It don't directly affect our kingdom advancement. But I tell you what does. Your spiritual growth matters. It matters to us. And we are rooting for you, and we love you. You ever go to a potluck, and you got things, we going, we going to barbecue. It's like, oh, I bought the, the ribs, the brisket, and then all of a sudden, somebody brought spaghetti. Brother, this is a barbecue. The potato salad, the chips, the salad, you know, we need the hot dogs, something that go with the thing. What you bring to this potluck matters. I pray that you would prayerfully consider that. Go back to those 10 things on your own time and maybe just pray. It's like, Lord, would you help me to become more of this as an expression of my life in you? And I pray for our church that we just continue to grow up into this maturity, that we would truly believe and we would submit to the principle that we would commit ourselves to growth and we would commit ourselves to doing it together and we would commit ourselves to doing it for kingdom advancement. Pray for us this week.